engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We will get into the national news of the day, including Andy No and, and the attack in Portland. Um, but that there's been a lot of that today over national news media. I want to focus on some Georgia news that isn't getting the attention uh, that these other big stories are getting elsewhere. And, and the biggest, I think, is the Speaker of the House uh, had a closed-door meeting with Republicans up at my favorite place in Georgia this weekend, Barnsley Gardens. I love Barnsley Gardens. If you haven't been to Barnsley Gardens, you should go to Barnsley Gardens. I need to go to Barnsley Gardens. My soul needs to be refreshed, and it happens there. Um, they had a closed-door meeting at Barnsley. No, this isn't an ad. Um, it's just I need to go there. I love that place. Uh, so they had a, it was their caucus meeting. And the speaker is asked about or, or the issue comes up of the speaker and the coming attacks from the Democrats on the speaker of the house. And the speaker is super defiant. He says of those who are calling for his ouster, bad decisions have bad consequences. And then he says this. If there's a snake in your house, kill it. In other words, uh, David Ralston uh, is unrepentant, doesn't think he did anything wrong, and wants to ruin those who have called for him to leave. Now, uh, this is actually having uh, behind the scenes the opposite effect because there are several people who have been very defiant on behalf of the Speaker of the House who are now coming forward um, behind the scenes, still not yet public, although I think will soon be public, saying, oh my gosh, we got to get this guy out of here. He's nuts. Uh, it's striking that this leaked so quickly to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The speaker thought that this was going to be behind closed doors and people would not learn of this, and members of his own caucus leaked it to the press, and people are really upset about it. Uh, Let me paint you a broader picture. There, There have been 10 members of the House of Representatives of Republicans who said that David Ralston needs to go. And now the speaker is saying, if there's a snake in your house, kill it. Bad decisions have bad consequences. In other words, he wants to kill those who are opposed to him, metaphorically speaking. He wants to destroy their political careers. According to the speaker, uh, multiple people who are in the room are confirming these quotes from the speaker. He wants to destroy those who want him removed as speaker. Y'all, is I, I'm... I've been convinced for a while now, but I think this affirms it, that David Ralston is a mental midget. The man is not very bright politically. Uh, he has stayed in his position through thuggery and fear uh, because he's not very smart politically. Let, let me paint a broader picture for you here. The Republicans and the state House representatives have a 15-seat majority. Ten of those members have come forward to say the speaker needs to go. If five more of those members come forward and say the speaker needs to go, suddenly a majority of the House of Representatives no longer wants the speaker there, or do they? If you had 15 members of the Georgia House of Representatives, Republicans, if you had 15 members say, you know what, we're no longer participating with the Republicans here. We're disgusted by David Ralston. We'll come back when he leaves. Until then, we're gone. Suddenly, the Republicans and the Democrats are at parity in the House of Representatives for leadership. 
and the Democrats can call a vote. And this actually is politically smart because it helps the Republicans. Do you really think that the Democrats then are going to maintain David Ralston and his position? Because we know they want to use the issue in 2020. We know the Democrats in Georgia want to use David Ralston as an issue. We know the ads are coming about the Republicans standing behind David Ralston. So you've got 10 of them already calling for Ralston to leave, the the Republicans. You add five more to it. And they all come out and say, you know what, we're not going to participate with the caucus until David Ralston leaves. Then suddenly the Democrats, the ball's in their court. And they either affirm David Ralston and destroy their chances politically of using him as an issue in 2020, or they reject David Ralston as well. That becomes a big issue. But what is David Ralston promising behind the scenes to save his 15-seat majority? It actually makes no sense. Now, I I need to preface this. I I need to caveat this by saying I am a huge fan of the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence. I I am a huge fan of Mike Pence's. I I adore the man. I have known him for years. I have a, a Russell Kirk, the conservative mind book. It sits on my desk. It is from Mike Pence. It is signed by him. It was a gift to me when I first got started in conservative politics. When I go to Washington, I go by the White House. I have lunch with the vice president. I'm taking my son up there in a couple of weeks. We're having lunch. Um, we're, we have invited him to speak at the resurgent gathering in August. I can't tell you whether or not he's confirmed, <clears throat> uh, but we've invited him. I like Mike Pence. I am a huge fan of Mike Pence. The Speaker of the House has floated having Mike Pence come down to do a fundraiser for the 15 Republicans being targeted by the Democrats. 15 Republicans being targeted by the Democrats. So the Speaker wants to bring the Vice President of the United States in to Georgia to do a fundraiser to help the 15 Republicans who are being targeted by the Democrats. The reason those 15 Republicans are in a difficult position is because the president is Donald Trump. As much as I like Mike Pence, these 15 Republicans are in danger of losing their seats and costing the Republicans the state house majority because these 15 Republicans live in seats or live in districts where the majority of the people no longer like Trump and Pence. So we're going to bring the guy associated with the administration that the majority of voters in these 15 districts don't like to fundraise to help keep these people in the state house. That's really not smart politically. Now, if you bring in Mike Pence and you do a huge fundraiser for all the Republicans, that's one thing. That's great. But to cast it as this is how we're going to help keep these 15 people uh, in office and you know this stuff is going to leak. You got to know this stuff is going to leak. If you don't, you're, you're a bigger idiot than I thought you were. And I already thought you were a big idiot. So what do you think the Democrats are going to do? I mean, y'all, this, this is not bright stuff. This is not bright by the Speaker of the House. And now he's, he's saying I want to, he wants to kill the, the 10 members of the Republican conference who want him gone as Speaker. I have a question for the Republican members of the state legislature. Are are you so tied to the Speaker of the House that you are willing to lose your majority to the Democrats? Are you so tied to the Speaker of the House that you're actually willing to lose your majority because 15 of your colleagues bolt from the conference because they're disgusted by the Speaker's remarks? I mean, can can, can we step back for just a minute? Who says this? 
I mean, who actually says this is like something from a badly scripted movie where the, the speaker of the house goes, oh, I do declare, as Zell Miller said, if there are snakes in your house, you kill the snakes. We got to we got to kill these song guns who are out to get me. I, I mean, this is just it's like Foghorn Leghorn is speaker of the house. I mean, what what a mental midget this guy is to, to be up there saying stuff like this, that, that he's going to punish the 10 members of the house who are saying this guy needs to go. And by the way, why why are these people calling for him to leave? I think it's important for those of you who are new to this, you haven't been paying attention. Why are people calling for David Ralston to leave? Well, they're calling for David Ralston to leave. Because David Ralston has used his position as speaker to keep criminal cases from going to trial for years. And in fact, it became very well known that the Speaker of the House was using and abusing his position to keep cases from going to trial for years. There are people who were quoted, or one person at least in the AJC who was quoted saying he knew if he paid David Ralston money, David Ralston would keep his case from ever going to trial. I mean, this is not new stuff. This has been out there for a while. And you've got people who are willing to participate in the ad campaigns. Can, can you wait for the ad campaign of the 21-year-old who, when she was 14, was raped by a pastor? Allegedly. The pastor hires David Ralston. The girl is 21 now. She can't get any closure because of David Ralston. What are the ad campaigns going to be? Now, you 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 may be as Republican as the day is long. You may hold your nose and vote for every Republican that comes out because you hate the Democrats so much. But now ask yourself, those squishy voters in these 15 districts who hate the president already don't much care for the social conservative bin of the Republicans right now, and they're just itching to find a way to protest? What do you think they're going to do? What do you think they're going to do when the Trump administration comes down to try to salvage the Republican majority that David Ralston can't salvage because nobody likes him? What do you think they're going to do when the ads start playing of the teenage rape victims whose cases are still pending, whose, whose assailants are still out there because they went to David Ralston and he's kept them out of jail? What do you think these people are going to do? And David Ralston's response is to kill the descendants, uh, the, the, the dissidents, kill the dissidents, kill the people who oppose him. That, that's David Ralston's stated response. If there's a snake in our house, kill it. On what to do with the people who want him gone. Do you really think that in these 15 districts, these 15 districts, do you really think they're going to vote Republican? Do you really think they're going to keep the Republican majority when all that starts happening? Do you really believe that? If you do, I've got a great bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Are you struggling to get sleep these days? You're not alone. One in three of us, we don't get enough sleep. That is Americans. Of course we don't. We're always busy. We're always wired. We're always thinking we can't turn our brains off. If you're not sleeping enough, though, it affects your cognitive functions. So you're learning, you're problem solving, your decision making. They all start to suck because you're not getting enough sleep. Did you know that a good night's sleep is like magic remedy for the brain and the body? When you sleep well, we're more focused, we're more relaxed. It even makes us happier. Well, I got a way to help you sleep. And yes, believe it or not, it's an app. It's not a pill. It's an app. It's Calm. Calm is the number one app for sleep. Sleep deficiency does serious damage, not just to your brain, but to your body. Sleepless nights give you proneness to accidents and injuries, weight gain, depression. You need to sleep. You really do. Everybody in my house uses the Calm app.
me, my wife, my kids, my 10-year-old absolutely loves it, listens to it every single night on his iPad. I have it on my iPhone. I used it last week when I was in Silicon Valley at night after I had a very, very important meeting with a very, very famous person, and I was so wired afterwards, I turned it on. It was able to help me go to sleep. Why? Well, you just you listen to the call map, and it lulls you to sleep. My listeners get $25 off a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash Eric. 40 million people have downloaded Calm. Find out why at calm.com slash Eric. C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Anybody here know Bernie Marcus? (laughs) I'm still looking for sponsors for the Resurgent Gathering. I I hear he's willing to, to, he wants to give away his billions. Um, He can be an individual sponsor to the Resurgent Gathering. Happy to have his money, uh, considering who all is going to be there. Um, he says he wants to spend some of his money to help get Donald Trump reelected. I bet it's only a matter of time before progressives call for a boycott of Home Depot over him saying that. Uh, but good for him. He, he's he's oh he, oh oh. Charlie tells me that they're already calling for a boycott. Uh, they're already out there saying don't go to Home Depot because uh, Bernie Marcus says he wants to get the president reelected. Good grief. Uh, but I, I'm totally happy for him to be an individual sponsor. If anybody, anybody knows Bernie Marcus out there, tell him to give me a call. Um, he can even come sit on stage with me. We'll have a conversation about all this. Now, let's go to the phones. Bob and Marietta, uh, you are up next. Welcome. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Every time you bring up the speaker, it just makes my blood boil. <laughs> it, me too. Oh, listen, I got, I've got three daughters. And, and this guy, he's not keeping them out of jail. He's letting that girl get old enough that she's a woman and she comes in that courtroom and she's not 14 anymore and they see her as something else and as i said to him god forbid she wears any makeup or lipstick oh it it it, it really is awful stuff and i am it, it makes me angry to think about and it's the republicans in the state house who are excusing him uh, yeah. and, and now for him to say he wants to uh, punish the Republicans who have been brave enough to stand up to him, uh, they're going to need more Republicans. I mean, there are 10 Republicans. This is why it's so so dumb, uh, Bob, is there are 10 Republicans. They only have a 15-seat majority. David Ralston says he wants to punish those 10 Republicans. Uh, so if, they're, if they get defeated, that could reduce them to a five-seat majority. The man is just not in his right mind. There's something wrong here. And for him to think that the the vice president will somehow be able to bail him out of this. By the way, I am told very reliably it's not going to happen. Greg Bluestein of the AJC is also hearing the odds of the vice president coming to bail out David Ralston are slim to none. I am hearing it from very, very credible sources that this ain't going to happen. Uh, so way for David Ralston to dangle something like that out there. I, I mean, let's just let's listen to just a, a little bit of this interview uh, with Lori Wilson about the the situation and, and the speaker and protecting people and keeping them out of jail. September of 2014, March of 2015, October of 2016, February of 2017, March of 2018 and June of 2018. Yes, unfortunately, yes. 
and four of those were seven. Four of those were out of session. A couple of those, uh, February and March, for sure. Obviously, probably March 2015, March 2018, February 2017. A little bit of rain between Douglasville and Villa Rick if you're headed out I-20 towards Alabama. The heaviest stuff between Peachtree City and, and Woolsey now on the south side and Fayetteville. In that area, it's really a line that stretches from Peachtree City over to Locust Grove. McDonough's going to get a little more rain as well. Uh, okay, uh, I, I want to go back to this audio. I, I, I should have done a better job setting it up. I was talking to Lori Wilson in this interview from a while back and uh, about David Ralston and the continued uh, ongoing delays of trials of criminal defendants that he represented, including one uh, that she was involved with. And just, just listen to some of this uh, about the delays. September of 2014, March of 2015, October of 2016, February of 2017, March of 2018, and June of 2018. Yes, unfortunately, yes. And four of those were seven. Four of those were out of session. A couple of those, uh, February and March, for sure. Obviously, probably March 2015, March 2018, February 2017. The legislature would have been in session. Um, right. But four of those out of session. This case just can't get wound up. No, it can't, and it's it's very sad because, I mean, it's sad for a lot of victims um, because he's just, you know, delaying justice and delaying closure in a lot of cases, and um, it's, it's completely illegal, immoral, um, irrational. Uh, let me think if I can come up with any more I words to describe what he's doing. Um, now, how old is he, your how old is your daughter now? She's twenty one, and she is every day my my blessing and my gift. And having to hold on to this and can't get closure. Yes, sir. And it's it's very difficult because I mean she has a lot of chronic health concerns and. Um, if that wasn't hard enough to deal with, having this horrific thing happen to her and then have a bunch of people rally around the defendant and actually, you know, defend him. And then, you know, he's got the Speaker of the House as his representation. Yeah, there you go. Imagine these people in the ad campaigns, it's it's going to happen. Uh, it is it's absolutely going to happen. And the Republicans in the state house that they are, I mean, they're being given enough rope. It's it's going to end badly for them. And now you you've got um, Foghorn Leghorn, Speaker of the House, saying, "Hey, we'll just bring in the Vice President and and get him to fundraise," as if the Vice President is on David Ralston's beck and call to begin with. Are, are you Republicans in the House going to stand up for your colleagues against Foghorn Leghorn here? Or are you going to stand up for your colleagues who, who dare to take him on? Or are you going to join the Speaker in, in wiping out 10 members of the State House, 10 members of the State House, when you have a 15-seat majority? The math does not work in your favor. It works in the Democrats' favor. It's just, it, this is absurd. Um, but this is where we are with Georgia politics. Um, when the when self-preservation kicks in, 
when the Republicans in the House realize the polling is working against them, uh, Jen Jordan has raised the money for the Democrats, and they are going to attack the Republicans for defending and propping up the Speaker, then, then, then they will get a clue, and by then it will be too late, unfortunately, and the Democrats will take back the House. Right before redistricting begins in Georgia, right before redistricting, the Republicans in Georgia will lose their House majority because of David Ralston right before redistricting, so the Democrats get to draw the lines. Uh, this is what we're looking at, folks. This is what we're looking at. The Speaker can't deny it, and his caucus knows it, too. That's the crazy thing. Now, we, we could dwell all day on this, but we can't because there's plenty of other news. I'm here till 7. We've got so much news tonight. I'm here three hours tonight. You can stick with me your whole ride home. I'm... Can, can we visit with busing for a moment, please? Do you know I've never actually ridden on a school bus? I, I haven't. I didn't grow up in this country. Um, I, yes, yes so, so much privilege. Tons of privilege here. Uh, you, you know, by the way, I took the intersectionality test. that You've got an interna- intersectionality test online. It, if you get 100, you're totally oppressed and, and therefore fully intersectional. If you get a 1, uh, you're, you're like super Christian white male and have no say in society. I got a 1. I was very proud of my 1. Um, I've never ridden on a school bus. I grew up in the Middle East. Uh, we did not have yellow school buses. Actually, before before uh, I moved to the Middle East, I, I did ha- spend some time in kindergarten here. And, <laughs> and um, the school bus driver in my neighborhood was well known to be a drunk. And my mother refused to allow me as a child to be on the school bus. Uh, so she would drive me to school every day. <laughs> Which wasn't that far to begin with, um, but there was there was no way she wanted my sisters and me on the school bus, and and so I've never actually been on a yellow school bus. I, I never have. Um, but Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, she wants to do school busing. She wants to bring it back. Uh, busing was imposed on school districts around the country, not just in the South, in the 60s and 70s, to aggressively desegregate schools where you would essentially take children from a neighborhood and bus them across town into other areas so that you get a 50-50 racial mix in all the schools. And it fostered resentment, and not just in the white community. Busing over time became deeply, deeply unpopular with the black community, because many black families decided that busing was breaking up their neighborhoods. Before that happened, you know, white people live with white people, and they still largely do. White people live in, in white areas, black people in black areas, and then neighborhood schools. Now, the reasons that people lived in, in those areas if, have historic reasons in segregation, but in modern times, there are also people who people keep together. We see it on, on college campuses where white students hang out with white students, black students hang out with black students. It's where people are familiar. I, I Thankfully, my neighborhood is very well integrated, uh, but it, it's not something that is popular across the board with, with either the white or the black community these days. Because a lot of black families did cite busing as a reason their neighborhood schools fell apart. They were no longer allowed to go to their neighborhood school. They couldn't walk to school. They had to get on the bus. Their kids had to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to be carted across town to the white school. They weren't actually getting a great education there because the kids were so tired. The white parents hated it because they were being carted across town to the black neighborhood, to their neighborhood school, to racially integrate it. And Kamala Harris wants to go back to it. Now, she is a product of busing, and she views it as benefiting her. 
Um, I, I listen, God bless her. I think that's, that's great. She benefited from it. She's got a story to tell and she can contrast herself with Joe Biden. But to have a discussion in 2019 about the Democrats, they want to take your health care insurance away. They want to give it to illegal aliens and they want to bus your kids across town to a different school. Do they really think that's going to win them the election in 2022? Do they really think that that's going to happen? Because I'm just not so sure this is a winning strategy for the Democrats. And I'll tell you who's really concerned about the strategy when we come back. I think I just saw a telemarketer calling <laughs> on the call screen. Wow. There's an 800 number popped up. Um, Goodness gracious. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number here, if you want to be a part of the program, not the telemarketers, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. As I had mentioned earlier, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat being flippant about Bernie Marcus, but I'm, I'm glad to take his money to help sponsor this conference now with uh, the extra security we're going to have to deal with due to our VIP and the presidential blue piping and draping and stuff that comes with it. Um, but if you got a business you want to profile, uh, you want to set up a vendor booth or something at the Research Gathering, we've got space now. We didn't think we we're going to have it. Uh, we, we would love to have you and promote your business or nonprofit. It will cost, obviously, uh, for the floor space, um, $7,500. But we're happy to take it, and you'd be helping us, and you would be able to advertise and whatnot. But uh, win-win for all of us. There are going to be tons of people there. Uh, just reach out to us, Eric, at theresurgent.com. Happy to talk about it. We have so much more this evening that we have to talk about, including the Antifa situation in Portland, Oregon. Here, here's the thing you need to begin with. Who are the fascists? Who are the fascists? We had the Proud Boy March, uh, you know, the, the lawn chairs and tiki torch idiots in Charlottesville, Virginia. But I don't see the this fascist movement regularly on display in, in America. Mr. Erickson, we have Donald Trump in the White House. What more do you need? Actual fascists. Where are the actual fascists? I rarely see people. I see a couple idiots marching and a bunch of white dudes in polo shirts with tiki torches in Charlottesville, but I don't see some organized, sustained movement. But I do with Antifa. I mean, Antifa has largely taken over law enforcement in Portland, Oregon. The police there are deeply upset about it and, and are now more and more speaking out. The mayor is the police commissioner and has ordered the police in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon, to stand aside. And uh, private citizens are being harassed and their businesses targeted and shaken down by Antifa. You've now got Ted Cruz saying that even the federal government needs to get involved with what's going on there. So a journalist was attacked yesterday. And it is fascinating to watch a bunch of blue check marked individuals on social media who uh, call themselves journalists who have been outraged by the president calling the press the enemy of the people. And now what's happening? They're defending Antifa for beating up a journalist because he's not their kind of journalist. It's just a, a very interesting dynamic there. We need to explore this, and I want to walk you back through some of the dynamics of the media and their handling of Antifa over time. 
I am here until 7 o'clock tonight as well, so we've got a lot of stuff to cover tonight. We also need to cover Jay Johnson. This is only now hitting the wires. Jay Johnson is Barack Obama's Secretary of Homeland Security. He is defending Donald Trump's processing of children into detention facilities along the border. And the left is losing their mind over Obama's Homeland Security chief defending the Trump administration. I've actually got the audio of it, and we will play that for you when we come back here on WSB. My goodness, um, Tyler Skaggs from the Los Angeles Angels has passed away, 27 years old. Mm, my goodness, uh, sad, sad, sad. Um, okay, this Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Also, I mentioned uh, before we went to break uh, the busing issue with the Democrats. I, I'm here till seven, so we can be patient. Uh, I've I want to get into this Antifa thing that happened over the weekend of the media's coverage of Antifa, and I've got this amazing audio of Jay Johnson, President Obama's Homeland Security Secretary, defending Donald Trump. Um, but I mentioned busing in the last hour and how Kamala, Kamala Harris wants to run on busing. And media is now starting to question, does she really want to impose this on this country? Polling shows that it's unpopular across racial communities. Uh, black voters and white voters both are opposed to busing at this time. There was a time in this country, though, where I think we just need to admit it. Uh, busing played a role in helping desegregate American schools. And American schools probably would not have become desegregated but for busing. Um, or at least they wouldn't have very quickly. But over time, it was viewed in some some areas of the country as breaking up neighborhood schools, and that was resented by both black and white communities. But uh, a lot of people called in while we were on the break, and, and I don't want to move on from the topic and then circle back to it, so I want to go on and take some folks' phone calls on this issue, and I'm going to start with Cheryl in Marietta. Welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I went through busing from 1972 to 1974, 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th grade, grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, and as you know, we were very close to Charlotte, so you can imagine mm -hmm. we got a lot of the overflow from what went on with busing in that area of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um I am not in agreement with busing after going through it during my 6th, 7th, and 8th grade years. Um, it taught me a lot. Let me just say, when I went through it, we were in a middle-income white neighborhood, and we were bused to a low-income government housing black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, Junior high school we were bused to was Gillespie Park Junior High School. Some people may know it. It was built, gosh, who knows? It was not air conditioned. You literally had to open the windows in mm -hmm. the classroom. Right. Um, you did not want to get off the campus because directly across the street from us 
was one of the Black Panther headquarters. Mm-hmm. So if something went on campus, you definitely didn't stray off campus. Right. Um, we did have riots. We had sit-ins. And let me go another step further with busing. If you were on a white bus, you had to have a black bus driver. Um, the school had to be 50-50 integrated, and ours was pretty much 50-50. Mm-hmm. If you had a black principal, you had to have a white principal. Mm-hmm. All of your sports teams, including your cheerleading, had to be 50-50 black and white. Um, education totally did not learn one thing during that period of time. It brought the education level down so far uh, finally, we moved to Georgia, and thank goodness we did because I had to catch up in my education. Yeah, uh, you, you know, I, I, I got to stop you there, Cheryl, because I got to go check traffic. But this is one mm-hmm. of the criticisms that that is across racial lines is that uh, a lot of parents thought that this was more about uh, racial parity than giving black children a better education. Um, and which the whole reason was, remember, we had separate but equal, and the black schools were not equal, as you just heard Cheryl say. They often were not a, not air-conditioned. They weren't in good parts of town. They were crumbling. They got secondhand equipment, secondhand books, uh, and nothing really addressed that issue. Uh, and that's one reason it, it there were problems across racial lines with the idea. Now, we want to go to Ruth Mary in Lawrenceville. Welcome to the program. Good evening, Eric. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, I was part of the Alexandria, Virginia uh, group when they uh, remember the Titans. That was my school system. Oh I wow! Was one of, I was the last of the senior class to graduate from Francis C. Hammond. We probably had about ten blacks that lived in the the district that went to our school. Our school was not air conditioned, despite the fact that we were majority white. So it, the air conditioning. For up there meant you just don't have it, period. Right. Except for T.C. Williams, they were a newer school. What you had said about problems with the busing at that time is absolutely true. What the lady before me is true, that they had a um, less advantage of education at Washington Lee. And everybody, including the blacks, did not want to be bused with all the issues that that caused. And us students... Francis C. Hammond, I don't think we were going to be, we weren't that upset there was going to be blacks at our school, more blacks, since we did have a few there, but it was, if their education is so poor, then help that school bring it up to the standards instead of busing. Yeah, listen, this is a very familiar, um, what what you're saying is very familiar uh, from the way I've had a lot of white families explained this who went through busing now the corollary here though is is that a lot of black families were in schools that were crumbling and the government said they were could be separate but they had to be equal and they never were equal and the supreme court essentially took on busing as a way to force the issue Uh, and there were some people who thought it was a good thing kamala harris for example thought it was a good thing and I, we can't deny her experience there. Uh, I, I think we can rely on polling. But um, I, I am glad uh, Rhonda is calling from Decatur. And, Rhonda, I'm, I'm glad you called to get your perspective on this. Um, I just think that the Republican Party is kind of out of touch with things like this with the minorities. And I think that what 
many upper class people don't see is that many African-American schools, even today, are substandard. And by us living in a district like that, for us to have the same opportunities as upper class, I mean, upper wealthy kids and having the same opportunities, that's very important. And I think that people are talking from a perspective from years ago. It is a much different time. And I think that integration is an important thing, especially in the times now where we're so divided. So I think there's a lot of benefits that people are not seeing. And I know that when I've spoken to, um, to other people in the African-American community, we were applauding Kamala. We were so happy that someone actually brought it up and addressed it. So I think you're a little bit misguided, and I don't think you have really went into the African-American community to really see what they really think. Because a lot of times people speak for us. And they haven't even came to it. Well, listen, I, I actually reached out to a very large number of my black friends, some of whom actually agree with you, but most of whom don't because they have the, the same bad memories that a lot of uh, my white friends' families did, that they felt like their neighborhoods were disrupted. They didn't like having to get up so early in the morning. They didn't feel like uh, they got an education. They felt like they, the quality of their education was less of a priority than integration. And they, unlike my white friends, do are more readily willing to be inclined to say integration is a good thing. Uh, but you know, you don't need my opinion on this. We, we can actually look at the polling. Uh, and the polling among all racial groups is opposed to busing. Uh, that, that's not my opinion. That's actually the polling out there. Uh, majority opposition, not majority support, not even plurality support or opposition, but majority opposition within the white community, within the black community uh, to engage in busing again. So it's just very odd for Kamala Harris, who, who benefited from it, who said she benefited from it. I'm not going to deny her statement there. I'll play that audio when we come back, um, but I, I don't think 2019 is is not then, and I think there are other ways to address the issue. The, the problem, the bigger problem in public education, if we're willing to admit it, is resources. It's not percentage of black and white students in a common school. It's It's resources in a school, and there are a lot of schools out there in the public school system that are denied resources. I'll tell you the other radical proposal some Democrats want is they want to wipe out private schools. You would think they would look at school choice and say, yeah, this is a good thing. No, they are not only opposed to school choice, they want to eradicate private schools and force those families back into public schools thinking that'll benefit the public schools, which is just crazy. School choice really is a good answer here. So when I was in college, one of the very first things I did was I got a credit card. I was out of the house. I was free. I got a credit card. Ah, I should have never gotten the credit card. Never get the credit card. Tell your kids don't get the credit card. But what happens when you do get the credit cards and they start to add up? You're carrying revolving debt. You're not paying off your credit cards each month. It's stressing you out. You could be paying thousands in interest every year. You don't have to. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt. You can pay off your credit cards. You can get one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans. There are no trips to a bank. There are no high interest credit cards. All you do is go to LendingClub.com. You tell them about yourself, how much you want to borrow, Pick the terms that are right for you. And if you get approved, your loan is automatically deposited in your bank account in just a few days. It's the number one peer-to-peer -peer lending platform, over $35 billion in loans issued. So what do you do? You want to check this out? Go to LendingClub.com slash Eric. You check your rate in minutes, borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash Eric. LendingClub.com slash Eric. All loans made by WebBank, member of FDIC, equal housing lender. 
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. I am moving on from the busing and school desegregation issue now. Uh, we will circle back to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Some polling has come out that is very, very interesting. Uh, I do, however, want to go to Claudette in Marietta, who's waited very patiently on the Republican in the House issue. Welcome. Hello there. Thank you so much for taking my call. I learned a lot from listening to your program. I just had a quick question. Um, what can constituents uh, do about the um, Speaker of the House issue? Do we just sit back as lambs to the slaughter and allow this to go down? Or what can we do? Is there anything that can be done to stem the tide or to push back on what It is reaching out to your state representative to tell them it's unacceptable. And by the way, this transcends party. It doesn't matter if your state rep is a Democrat or Republican. Uh, If state representatives hear from constituents, it becomes an issue. Part of the problem is that uh, state reps in South Georgia don't really pay pay attention to the issue because they're not getting any constituent calls. They're uh, they're not hearing this. It's not on the radar of people in South Georgia. The people in the newspapers and TV stations in South Georgia have not reported on the issue. And so a lot of these people, if their constituents aren't paying attention to it, they don't care about it. The Atlanta people are, but you got to keep pressure on them. You have to keep pressure on your state representatives in the state legislature, and you've got to tell them uh, that the speaker needs to go. Uh, If you're not willing to pick up the phone and text them or email them or tweet them or Facebook message them or even call their offices, uh, you're you're not really going to be able to change the situation. And it requires them to to hear from you to do it. I mean, and I've made it easy for people, too. You can text the word speaker to 345-345, and I'll connect you to your state rep uh, with my action center. Now, you just text the word speaker to 345-345, and it's going to send you back a link. And you click that link, and you can put in your phone number, your address, and be connected to your state rep. But they got to hear from you, not me, in order to realize they need to change. Otherwise, they're not. Hello, it's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. I am here until 7 o'clock tonight. We still have a lot of news to cover, and we will take your phone calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I need to talk about Antifa. Antifa, they call themselves Antifa, anti-fascists. Uh, they are the kissing cousins of the fascist. Uh, they are basically on an incestuous family tree, a single stick off main line of totalitarianism. I mean, the, these people are garbage individuals uh, who hide behind masks to behave just like the very fascists they, they oppose. You know, the, the Nazis and the communists were essentially cousins. I mean, the Nazis and the communists had very little they disagreed with, and they both uh, persecuted and, and killed millions of Jewish people and others. Star- the communists starved them to death willfully. The Nazis did horrible, horrible things in World War II, uh, putting people in ovens and gassing children and, and adults, just awful stuff. The communists, the Nazis, uh, the fascists from Italy, they're all evil regimes of evil people with evil ideologies. 
and the anti-fascists are part of the communist branch of that uh, wing of totalitarianism. The National Socialists, the Nazis were National Socialists. They believed in government control of everything uh, and with, an, with a nationalistic streak to it. The communists, of course, rejected the idea of the God. The Nazis were godless as well. And uh, this, everything was about the state. They were kissing cousins. Remember, Hitler and, and Stalin were best buds until Hitler got overly ambitious and nuts. Um, it, it's a very good thing that the Nazis and the communists wound up not getting along because it would have made alliances troublesome during World War II. The Nazis needed to be eradicated. The communists still need to be eradicated. Antifa is part of that. The fascists are part of that. But I don't regularly see people marching in the streets calling themselves fascists. Now, there are those Proud Boy idiots uh, and Charlottesville, we don't need to minimize them, and I don't want anybody to think I'm minimizing them. They, they are a menace, a nuisance, and they need to be jailed, run out of the country, shamed, embarrassed, exposed, just like the Antifa people. But the Antifa people have embraced violence, and what we're learning with them is that anyone they disagree with, they've decided is a fascist worth eliminating. That's the reality of it. And they've been taking over Portland, Oregon, with the help of the mayor there. The mayor of Portland, Oregon, is also the police chief or the police commissioner, rather, of Portland, Oregon. And he has turned a blind eye to them and told the police to leave them alone. And as a result, they've been vandalizing businesses. They've been attacking individuals. They've been marching through the streets. Uh, There have been videos out there. Andy No is is a a gay journalist who lives in Portland. The, The gay piece is relevant here. Um, he's not accepted by Antifa because he's a conservative uh, homosexual, and so he is viewed as betraying his natural community. He's Asian, he's gay, and he's conservative, so he's viewed as a traitor, a race traitor and a sexual orientation traitor by being conservatives, and so they hate him. But he's been documenting this stuff out there, just amazingly so. It's stunning the things that he has documented. One of the other things that Andy No has done is he's documented how many of the purported hate crimes coming out of the the Upper West, uh, Pacific Northwest, that they're fraudulent, they're fake. Uh, the reporters run these stories of anti-gay hate crimes and whatnot, and Andy Noah has proven definitively that many of them were fabricated by progressives, and so they hate him. So um, Andy Noah covered this confrontation between the Proud Boys and the Antifa folks in Portland. And the Antifa people turned on him, smashed his uh, photography equipment, and put him in the hospital. They, they beat in his, his skull. They gave him black eyes. He, he was bruised and battered. What was striking is how many blue checkmark journalists on Twitter excused Antifa for doing it to him. The very same people who have been up in arms over the president targeting journalists, calling them enemy of the people, defended Antifa beating up this guy because he does the wrong kind of journalism. Who does the right kind of journalism? Well, you know, Chris Cuomo and others at CNN, they've been big, big supporters of Antifa. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. They are strictly principled anti-fascists. And what they see in the Trump administration and what they see happening in this country, they see, they see the neo-fascism that we see. 
and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. I think that a lot of people recognize that when pushed, self-defense is a legitimate response to white supremacy and neo-Nazi violence. The problem is to equate the violence in reaction against bigotry with the bigotry itself is to misunderstand the fact that when you go to cancer treatment, the radiation is tough treatment, but it is meant to remove the cancer. There's a group of anti-fascists called the Black Bloc, which do tend to get violent. Their idea is, look, nonviolent hasn't worked and we are going to try to stop this but they wouldn't have been there they wouldn't have been anywhere near there had it not been for the fact that white supremacists neo-nazis were out scaring the living daylouts out of most of the people in that town thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically and and we should be the first to call it out i disagree (laughs) there you go You, you got reporters now Kudos to Brian Settler and, and Jake Tapper at CNN. They've been covering this very aggressively outraged at what Antifa did. Uh, but some of their cohorts, Chris Cuomo, uh, Don Lemon, uh, they're, they're not willing to stand up and criticize Antifa. In fact, in the past, they've justified it. Oh, yeah, there's some of them who are violent, but, you know, you, you got white supremacists marching in the street. You got Donald Trump in the White House. What are they supposed to do? Folks. What we're seeing here is a lot of the people who claim to be concerned about totalitarianism in this country are actually really okay with totalitarianism as long as the tyrant is on their side. Hypocrisy knows no bounds with these people. They are willing to allow violent thugs to run rampant uh, all because they hate Donald Trump. And that's going to end badly, not just for them, it's going to end badly for a lot of people. A lot of innocent people are going to get hurt. Uh, by thugs like Antifa who are emboldened by the journalists cheering them on. It is crazy that you have blue checked mark journalists on Twitter. Remember, Twitter suspended me for making a joke about Elizabeth Warren. And you've got these people now calling for violence. And Twitter turns a blind eye to them. It took 13, 14 hours for Twitter to... Uh, suspended an account of of someone in Hollywood who said that they needed to kill all the Jews. You got the Antifa people marching. I mean, let's just acknowledge that progressivism is hell-bent on violence. You have Vox.com, the the left-wing site today, running an an article from a left-wing anarchist who says the left needs to re-embrace the Second Amendment and stockpile weapons to go after the right. They would be in meltdown if National Review or another right-wing site ran something like that, and yet now they're running it. These people have lost their minds. I'm here another hour, so you can stick with me. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Tom, we got about a minute left. Wanted to get to you. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thank you for having me on the show. And, uh, you know, watching this second Democratic debate, I got to say, we have got to donate to Marianne Williamson <laughs> so she can get on the second debate. That woman has got her finger on the pulse of America. Let's show her the love that she wants to show us and get her next to Elizabeth Warren. Oh, my gosh. I I got to tell you, um, I want to talk about Marion Williamson in the next hour. 
Um, there is some polling that has come out from CNN that I want to get to as well, Tom. Thanks very much for your phone call. Um, do, do you know what uh, the, the, Pete Buttigieg, what his polling is now among black voters? Zero. He, he really is things rich white people like because uh, his polling among black voters in America now, zero. You know who the largest pool of voters in the Democratic primary is? Black women. Not going to help him. We'll be back. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. This is not my music. I would. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. We, we've got more news to cover this hour. Mark Aram is, is gone. I'm still here. Uh, we've got some polling that has come out, but there is actually a developing situation at this moment. Um, uh, the Associated Press reporting that a Facebook mail facility near the company headquarters in Menlo Park, California, has been evacuated uh, after possible nerve agent Sarin has been detected in their mail room. Uh, this is a developing story. Uh, there are no reports of injuries. This facility has been evacuated and it could be a false positive, uh, but investigators have been called in. Uh, my goodness gracious, we need to talk about Marion Williamson, folks. Marion Williamson, well, Tyler Cohen is the the economist uh well respected he's a professor of economics at george mason university writes the blog marginal revolution and he makes some points about marion williamson who's a little bit nutty she actually tweeted out earlier today she wants people to send her 24 dollars because pete Buttigieg raised 24 million dollars let me let me just read you part of this from tyler cohen i do not usually cover candidate debates but having watched last week's two Democratic rounds, I have some observations. Here is the perspective of a lifelong economist, independent and political outsider. Political baits can be watched for the personalities revealed, the policy discussed, or the values expressed. I glean the most from the last approach. My biggest impression is simply how much the dominant candidates agree in terms of basic values. There was a lot of sympathy for vulnerable groups that can and should be helped by direct political action. These groups include the poor, immigrants, Americans without health insurance, victims of gun violence. There was a lot less focus on boosting productivity and economic growth, which helps people indirectly, or on identifying the relative trade-offs behind policy choices so that decision-making can be improved. Now, let's move on down to Marion Williamson and Tyler Cohen's statements. When she first began to speak, I googled her, as I suspect did many other Americans. Her eccentric manner can be distracting, but I recommend instead focusing on her values. Her performance suggests that Democrats need to take a broader, deeper set of values into account. Sometimes love and new-agey spiritual values, other times historic values. Her answer about making America the finest country for a child to grow up in was perhaps the best single moment of either debate. And that stemmed from her understanding of values. I don't think she has a chance to win, but she's the external voice the rest of the Democrats need to shake them out of their conformity. Very interesting you should say that. Republicans are now donating to Marion Williamson to keep her in the Democratic base. Listen, the woman is a kook. She is a, a kook. But there's something larger here that I, if you'll allow me just to meditate on this for, for a moment. Um, Pride Month is now over. And I noticed how deeply religious it became uh, this time around. I mean, you had companies changing their social media logos to rainbows corporations virtue signaling that they support it 
Um, Democrats out there with all of this new agey stuff in the month. And now they've got Marion Williamson on stage, a woman who sees angels everywhere, believes that you can visualize world peace and it will come. And she's on stage around the same time uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is talking about her uh, her horoscope and astrology as if it's real. There is a, 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 you know, religion does not go away. You may reject the old gods, the old god, uh, but you'll get new gods. They're all idols. Uh, oftentimes it's the worship of self, and we're seeing this in the Democratic Party. We're seeing this with Antifa. We're, we're seeing a religious zeal that is taking over the Democratic Party. Now, part of what is happening here, you need to understand from a legal perspective, not just a theological perspective. What you have is a group of people who rely on Supreme Court precedent that says essentially atheism is not religion. Therefore, atheism is the uh, default in American society, that secularism is not a religion. Secularism must be a default. The Supreme Court has determined these things. The problem is that uh, you can't keep religion out of society. And so secularism, atheism, they have developed the, the same rhythms and doctrines of religion in various ways. There are sacraments, abortion being one of them. There are strange beliefs, uh, like the belief, uh, contrary to science, that boys can become girls and girls can become boys. There are, are values judgments that you must give your money to the government, which will then decide who is worthy to receive it from the government. They want to supplant private charity with public action, and much of it is virtue signaling. Many of the people who march in the streets with Antifa beating up journalists. They do it out of a religious zeal. They, they do it because that is their path to salvation. So let me read this from Andrew Sullivan. Uh, Andrew Sullivan writes, In Christianity, the rules are much kinder. The exposed sinner, even someone who commits a mortal sin, has an instant chance of redemption. You repent and you ask God for forgiveness. Absolution follows. And if you start over, it is actually incumbent on other Christians to help you succeed again. The switch immediately from condemnation to support. The same in recovery. All you have to do is own your addiction and helplessness, make amends, start over day to day. You'll be encouraged, supported, cheered on by your fellows. But in the woke era, the cancellation process is far more brutal. An abject apology from the sinner is required, but just as a starter, if the apology is not a form of complete and utter self-flagellation or fails to meet the standards of woke orthodoxy, you'll still get canceled. And if you're canceled for your unwoke opinion or a stupid impulsive tweet, you're permanently canceled. And at that point, you will have absolutely no support from your peers, whatever you do. Any attempt to revive a career will be immediately suppressed. Whatever you once said, clumsily or foolishly, will never be forgotten. Any sign of social or career reemergence will mean another recitation of your sins, which, thanks to the permanence of the web, will go on forever like some Gregorian chant. It may even be that future woke culture will make your sin look even worse and therefore even less forgivable. We're seeing this take root in the Democrats. It is a religion. You know, C.S. Lewis once walked in on a conference of people at Oxford University. Uh, they were debating the differences between religions and, and positing how all of them were basically a variation of the same thing. And one of them said, Lewis, what separates Christianity from other religions? And uh, Lewis said, well, this is easy, grace. No other religion has a concept of grace. It's true. It's true. No, no, no religion has a concept of grace like Christianity. Not even close. Now, there are, there are philosophers who try to, to squeeze in other religions, say, oh, no, no this, this is kind of like it, but not really. And we certainly don't have it among uh, secular wokeness. 
there is no grace. And we're seeing that with Joe Biden. Uh, the CNN polling has come out. The CNN polling shows that Joe Biden has plummeted in support. But interestingly, where is, where is Joe Biden losing support? Joe Biden is not losing support from black voters, even with the busing controversy and, and Kamala Harris. He's losing support among rich white liberals. That's where Joe Biden is losing support. Rich white liberals because he's not woke. It is a cultural infatu- infatuation. Now, I, I want to, I promised this earlier, I want to replay this quote. This is this is Kamala Harris engaging with Joe Biden on the busing issue that, that set so many people off, that, that really caused her to skyrocket. And again, who did it cause Kamala Harris to skyrocket with? With rich white liberals, not with black voters. And I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist, and I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it is personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful, to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. And she won massive applause for the answer. And the polling shows she is skyrocketing now. She benefited greatly from the debate. Again, though, this is the key. She benefited from whites, not from black people, many of whom are showing solidarity with Joe Biden because he was Barack Obama's vice president. Now, that will shift. The polling data will shift among black voters if Kamala Harris is able to rise even further in the Democratic Party. Uh, I I think uh, the chance to have a second black president plus female black uh, president of the United States, I think that matters greatly. Um, and, and so we'll see some of that polling shift, but it is, it's a staggering thing to see Joe Biden serve for eight years as Barack Obama's vice president. And he may be done in by this stuff. It's, it's still his to lose, but he looks like he may want to lose it. And I've thought forever, you know, my buddy Philip, who writes with me at, at the resurgence says it's not going to be Biden because of these reasons. And I'm thinking it's still going to be Biden. And I'm thinking increasingly I could be wrong about this as as the left goes further left. The Democrats go with them. And Joe Biden's left the last man standing for the Democratic Party that existed just four years ago. But there's something else happening here, too, we need to discuss. Some of the attacks on Joe Biden that are only just now coming out. Why? It's Eric Erickson. I'm still here. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So all these attacks on Joe Biden, I, I think it's very illuminating that they could have come out in 2008 when he was running for president and they didn't. And they could have come out in 2012 when he was running for re-election as vice president and they didn't. They came out now. They, they, they came out now. Why? I would suggest to you that a lot of this has to do yet again with bias from the media. 
and I, I think that's true. There is real and legitimate bias in the media, and it leans every day more progressive. There is not a progressive trend in this country that the media does not embrace as its own. I mean, look at how the media treats the life issue and abortion. They're deeply stunned and try to dismiss polling that constantly shows how pro-life Americans are. I mean, they pretend it doesn't exist. I mean, the, the bulk of the media is in the 10% of Americans who believe that abortion is should be legal until the moment the child exits the hospital doors. And now they're going after Joe Biden, the man they defended forever, acting surprised by all this news because they had to defend him because the media is full of a bunch of liberals. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk, City of Atlanta. Just passed a comprehensive smoking ban. We'll get to it here in a minute because uh, that those of you walking down the street or on the Beltline, Beltway, or in Piedmont Park, it affects you as well. We'll get to that. But first, Tom in Atlanta, you are up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Uh Earlier in your show, you, you described a Republican leader uh, as using his position to obstruct justice and threatening to punish his enemies and still supported by the majority of the Republicans. And you were referring to David Ralston, but uh, I thought you might have been referring to Donald Trump. Why not the same <laughs> opinion of him? I mean, if you want to censure or impeach or remove Ralston for those things, wouldn't you feel the same way about Donald Trump? Well, I mean, except I, after, I, mean, I don't want to impeach uh, David Ralston. I think his caucus should remove him. And and I tried to get Republicans to not go with Donald Trump in 2016, and a majority of them disagreed with me. Um, I, I, I told them the whole time to stay away from Donald Trump, and they disagreed. And so now when we come to 2020, we're looking at a couple scenarios. Let's see, do we still need the Speaker of the House? No, we can find a better Speaker of the House, one who's not going to cost us our state House majority. Uh, but what about the presidential race? Well, let's see. We got Bill Weld, who's a pro-abortion um, guy who's got no chance. So Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee versus what exactly? If you replace David Ralston, who are you replacing him with? You're replacing him with another Republican. If you replace Donald Trump, who are you replacing him with? A, an insane Democrat who wants to scrap private health care insurance and give illegal aliens health care insurance. Take it away from you and give it to them. Uh, so, no, the, the two aren't analogous. I, I appreciate the bait and switch on the call and trying to be clever, but that's not really a clever analogy because you replace David Ralston, you get another Republican. You replace Donald Trump, you get who? Some nut job Democrat candidate. Now, speaking of which, just how out of touch are these Democratic candidates who want to replace the president? Well, you've got CNN polling out that shows, hang on, I want to make sure I read these numbers to you accurately so that you don't think I'm just making it up. Um, the CNN post-debate poll shows 59% of all voters oppose giving free health care to illegal immigrants. And yet, Every Democrat on stage supported giving free health care to illegal immigrants. And we had two debates on two nights, and they all agreed. Only 21% of 
of voters support abolishing private health care insurance and giving Medicaid for all. And it's Medicaid. They call it Medicare, but it'll ultimately be Medicaid. Only 21%. And again, every single Democrat on both nights held up their hand and said they supported that. By the way, only 30%, less than a third of Democrats, only 30% of Democrats support Medicaid for all, abolishing private health care insurance. And yet that's where the Democrats did. So you, you replace David Ralston, you get a better Republican. You replace Donald Trump, you get an insane Democrat completely out of touch with the American people. So thanks for trying, Tom, but that's really a dumb comparison. Now let, let's delve into this city of Atlanta ordinance, just, just so you know, because if you live outside the city, it's going to affect you as well. It is a very comprehensive ban. Um, the comprehensive ban prohibits smoking at the Atlanta airport. What are we going to do with those passengers? You, you've seen them. You get off your flight. I, I came back from San Francisco the other day. I mean, there were people who were desperate to go to those little stinky rooms and smoke. They were desperate to do it. And uh, they, they were rushing off. They're not going to be able to do that anymore. They're going to have to contain themselves because those rooms are going to be shut down. But it also affects restaurants. So there is uh, right up the street from us here at WSB, uh, there's the oldest still operating bar in, um, in the city. It is a great place to go if you are a Cubs fan. It's the Black Bear Tavern. And it's a smoking facility after 3 p.m. I listen, I don't care because I do not smoke cigarettes. I find them to be extraordinarily smelly. And my wife has lung cancer, so we try to avoid these places. So it really doesn't affect me. Um, I'll tell you, though, what I find more annoying than cigarettes are the people who are convinced that vaping makes them look cool when it actually makes them look like an idiot to see steam coming out of their mouth, nose, and ears, and other orifices of their body. It's just vaping. It's just it looks stupid. Can we just admit this, that that a cigarette at least looks like something a, a civilized human being might engage in and vaping just looks ridiculous? It really does. Um, it, it, well, the city of Atlanta is treating vaping just like smoking. And not only that, uh, you will be prohibited from smoking or vaping on the sidewalks of the city of Atlanta. You will be prohibited from smoking on the rights of way of the city, which are the city sidewalks. More importantly, let me just read you from the actual ordinance. It shall be unlawful for any reason to smoke or vape in outdoor parks and recreational facilities located within the city of Atlanta, including but not limited to parks, athletic fields, aquatic areas, golf courses, tennis courses, hiking, walking, biking trails, playgrounds, off-leash areas, and spectator and concession areas. You will not be allowed to smoke in any of these locations in the city of Atlanta. So you want to get on the belt line and, and fire up your, your silly-looking vape thingy, you will get a ticket. You want to stand outside on the par, on the sidewalk in Atlanta, you will get a ticket. Uh, you can stand, according to this ordinance, you will be allowed to smoke standing right outside buildings unless it's prohibited. Um, but you can't go out onto the sidewalk to smoke. You'll have to do it right by your building but not in the city right-of-way on sidewalks. You you won't be able to. Now, what does that mean? There actually are a couple of cool cigar places in town that I do like to go. Uh, Highland Cigar is one. And there is a carve-out uh, for establishments that generate 20% of their gross sales or $250,000 from tobacco products and don't have anyone in the facility 
18 or younger, under the age of 18, I should say. Uh, so I guess Highland will be safe. But general restaurants, uh, Piedmont Park, the Beltline, the rest of them, nope, you you won't be able to smoke, you won't be able to vape. So at least you the, the city is basically prohibiting you from looking ridiculous. Uh, but what, what, what will happen to you? Well, you'll get a fine of not exceeding $100 for the first violation. And then thereafter, a $200 violation for each additional violation within one year. So as long as you're willing to pony up uh, to, to pay basically $300 for two infractions and then $200 thereafter for a year, and then I guess it resets back to $100. That's, that's what you're dealing with in the city of Atlanta. They just passed it 14 to 2. All righty, let us go to the phones here on WSB. Chris in Johns Creek, welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. Um, I had a quick question for you, something that's really been confusing me in the last couple months about immigration, in that it seems since the Trump administration came into office, they've worked very hard to harden the border. They've put troops there. They've built wall where they could. They've done all these things to make it more difficult for immigrants to come you know, illegally into the United States from Mexico, and yet it seems the numbers every month of detentions and, and illegal crossings goes up and up and up. This seems very counterintuitive to me, and I'm trying to understand why when we're hardening the border are we seeing an increase in the influx in illegal immigration? Um, because we're not actually hardening the border per se. We're, we're not physically building the wall. We were supposed to, but that's been put on hold now. That hadn't gotten a lot of news attention. Uh, but there's been a delay in building the wall, and uh, the president has asked Congress to send more resources to the border, but Congress hasn't actually sent those resources to the border. So uh, we're, we don't have massive manpower, as some people think, at the border, and there are also de- deteriorating situations in countries south of the border that are causing an influx in people fleeing north of the border, which is uh, just the whole situation is destabilized. Um, it's not true to say that the border is more secure today than it was last year or two years ago, um, because it's not really. And the president wants it to be. The president has rearranged some resources to try to improve it. But Democrats in Congress and frankly, some Republicans in Congress are continuing to block the president from being able to secure the border as he wants and as the Department of Homeland Security wants and has requested funding for. 